great to be back. It's good to see uh, many of you, you look, uh, or at least some of you look tanned and, and arrested. Um, as I was um, praying at this time of rest and resting and asking the Lord for guidance for this year, one of, one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart for us as a church for this year is a concept of simplicity. Just simplicity. You know, in Acts 2 verse 46, um, we read of the early church. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Um, the world around us is getting more and more complicated, confused and divided. It is so busy, rushed, driven, the pressure to perform and to conform. But there is another way. A way that leads to rest, peace, and simplicity. And as we read in, in Acts, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And, and this really stood out for me for us as a church. I believe God wants to lead us this year in the simplicity and, and so um, this concept of simplicity of heart, you know, the word heart in, in Greek refers to the center of your intellectual and emotional life. Simplicity of heart, the center of your emotional and intellectual life. It is the place where you make choices based on your desires. And, and my prayer for us this year is that we may grow in simplicity of heart. And this simplicity of heart starts with a simple gospel. And so this morning I want to share around this concept of a simple gospel. Um, it was so good to listen to Pastor Vanner's sermon last week on the Corinthians church and the impact of a simple gospel. So I'm going to continue with this theme of city to city, a comparison of the Corinthians church with us and the focus this morning is on the simple gospel. What is this simple gospel? Paul is addressing the Corinthians church in the capital of the debating world where human wisdom and the ability to argue and to win a debate were not just valued, it was almost worshipped. And it's in this context, as Vanner so powerfully pictured for us, painted this picture of the context of the culture and times, that these words in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17, I'll read them again for us, is so powerful. And, and, and here Paul says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, as so valued within the culture and the time, I did not come to preach a gospel with elegance and with wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And, 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 and Paul was saying here that there's something about the gospel that is not eloquence, that is not wisdom, but is powerful. 
It is not the eloquence of man or the wisdom of man, but the power of God in this simple foolish message that will turn the world upside down. And this is the simple gospel, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. As it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. What a powerful thing to say in the context of a city, a society that worshipped human wisdom and the ability to win an argument. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made them foolish, the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks, the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. The simple gospel. Foolishness to this world. But the power of God for those who are being saved. Paul continues in the next chapter from verse 1. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolve not to know anything while I'm with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. How powerful is that? One thing I want to point out before we consider again the gospel is that the gospel is not just good news. It's not just a story or information that needs to be consumed, or an argument that needs to be won. There is something powerful, spiritual, around the gospel, the message, and the hearing of it, that penetrates hearts and souls of men and women. There is a powerful force, spiritual force, behind the hearing of it. It penetrates to the heart, the center of our intellectual and emotional life, the place where we make choices based on our emotions and desires. It cuts like a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's Hebrews 4. And that's why Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, but also the Gentile. Every time somebody hears the gospel, they are confronted with life and death. Every time somebody hears the gospel, they are confronted with eternal life and eternal death. It, it is a powerful reality that happens not through an argument, not through our wisdom or eloquence. There's a spiritual reality that opens every time somebody hears the gospel, whether it's three seconds or three hours, they're confronted with a T-junction. 
life or death. I want to illustrate this. Even in a Christian culture like ours, just the introduction to the, to the gospel is powerful. The gospel is alive and powerful and it cuts to the heart. The center of our intellectual and emotional life. The place where you make choices based on your desires. And I want to illustrate this. I, I'm looking for a volunteer. Can I have a volunteer? It's only going to take three seconds. Any volunteer? Come. Ellen, come. Over. Yeah, Ellen was eerste. In a Christian culture... Thanks, Alan. Come up. Just stand there, Alan. Thank you, Alan. This is Alan, everybody. Alan <laughs> is a fireman. <laughs> now, and he loves Jesus. But, but in a Christian culture, just the introduction to the gospel is powerful. And it will take three seconds. And I will show you this. I want to illustrate this. The power of the introduction to the gospel. How it cuts to the heart, the center of our intellectual and emotional being. The place where we make our choices based on our desire. Just the introduction of the gospel. Here it is. Alan, do you know Jesus? Did you see that? Did you feel it? It was a simple question. It wasn't even the gospel. It wasn't even the gospel. It was just a question. Thanks, Alan. You did it. <laughs> it was just a question. Do you know Jesus? And it cuts to the heart. To the center of our intellectual and emotional being. To give an answer. And that wasn't the gospel. <laughs> that was just the introduction to it. It is not eloquence. It is not human reasoning or wisdom. It's a simple question. That brings men and women to a T-junction of life and death. Do you know Jesus? In a Gentile world, you do not start with that question. You start with, do you know God? And explain who He is and work towards Jesus. But the gospel... Is powerful. No matter what context it is presented. That is why it is so significant what Paul said to the Corinthian church. In the context and their culture as Gentiles. In 1 Corinthians 2. And so it was with me brothers and sisters. When I came to you I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. Except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. So what is the gospel? I'm going to share with you. Some basic elements of the gospel. Just as I was preparing the first things that came to mind. It's not through a long study or search, just what came from my heart. What is the basic elements of the gospel? What is this gospel? The first thing and the starting point of the gospel 
is that God is holy, just, and righteous. It is a very, very important place to start the gospel. That God exists, that he is good, he is perfect, he is eternal. But most important, the most important foundation of the gospel is the holiness of God. And this is so important in the times that we live in today because there are so many different gospels and so many different focuses on who God is. And so many people focus primarily on God's love, His mercy, His grace, which is absolutely true. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have good news. But it is good news in the context of God's holiness. You know, in eternity, there is living creatures around God's throne that never ceases to worship God with these words. Merciful, loving, gentle, gentle, gentle. No, it is holy, holy, holy. God is holy. He is perfect. He is good. There is no darkness in Him at all. Who can stand in the presence of a holy God? Only the righteous. That's where the gospel starts. God is holy, perfect, just. The second element of the gospel is we as humans are rebellious, self-centered, and sinful. That's who we are. Rebellious, self-centered, and sinful. And we cannot stand in His presence. And because God is just, He will punish all sin and evil. Because He's a just God. Because He's just, He cannot let evil go unpunished. And therefore, because of his holiness, his justice, and his righteousness, he will punish evil. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And one day we're going to stand before a holy God. And we will be found guilty. These two things are so important in the gospel. Because if we do not understand that, you will never understand the need for your salvation. <laughs> if you don't understand the holiness of God and our sinfulness, you will never understand your need for salvation. But because of that, someone once described the gospel as a beautiful jewelry necklace made of precious stones that are presented on black velvet. The black velvet brings out the color and the beauty of this wonderful necklace. The black velvet is our sinfulness. The necklace is God's grace <laughs> towards the sinful man. And that brings me to the fourth, fourth element of the gospel is that God is love, grace, and mercy. Yes, he is holy, but he's also love. And because of his love, he reaches out to us with grace. A sinful man like me. 
God reaches out with grace. How does God's holiness and love meet? How does God's justice and his mercy be righteous? It is the cross. It's where a holy God punishes sin in his justice and righteousness. But, on, but because of his mercy and grace and love, he sends his son to become man. A perfect man. And he takes all my sin, all your sin, and the sin of the world, and he places on his son. And he says, because of my righteousness, I will judge evil. But I will place it on you, my son, and judge you on their behalf. And punish you for what they deserve. That is God's grace. That is the good news of the gospel. That even though we are guilty before a holy God, because of his love, his mercy and his grace, he sent his son to take my sin, my shame, my guilt upon him and punish him on my behalf. So that the fifth element, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the good news. That is the gospel that I am saved. The sixth element, not because of my works, but because of grace. And the way I move from works to grace is through faith. Lest any man should boast that I can stand because, before God because of me. I cannot. It's because of him. It's because of what he has done. And his mercy and grace towards me. And I choose to believe that it is sufficient to stand before him. Because of what he says about his son. And what he has done for me. And so the wonderful good news of the gospel is that we are saved by grace through faith. In what God has done for us. The seventh element is those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior is justified by his blood. It's a legal term. Whosoever accept the sacrifice, God is saying, whoever is, sac is accepting the sacrifice that I made for you, whoever, whosoever accepts my son's death that I sacrifice for humanity, whosoever accepts it is justified. Declared righteous, washed from their sin, and forgiven for eternity. It is the good news. Whoever rejects that is condemned under the wrath of God to pay for their sin. Life and death. Those who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior is justified by his blood before God. Accepted by his work and his sacrifice. We are declared righteous, not by our works, but by faith in him because of his grace towards us. And that brings me to the last point. That if 
what you need to do to be saved, and this is so important, what you need to, be, what you need to do to appropriate this sacrifice for you, to make it yours, to become part of it, to fall under it, to receive its grace, its mercy, its redemption, you must first and foremost acknowledge that you are a sinner. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of salvation. It starts with the space. You need to acknowledge that you are a sinner. And then you need to repent. You need to repent of your sin. Ask for forgiveness. And accept Christ as your Savior. And then follow Him as your Lord. And then you will have assurance of your salvation. Forever and ever. It is the gospel. It is the good news. God came to redeem sinners. Like me and you. It is good news. It is good news in a broken world. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. In the hearing of this gospel today. How would you respond? In the hearing of the gospel today. The simple gospel. How would you respond? I'm going to give you a moment. I want you just to respond afresh and new. Like it was the very first time you heard it. Just take a moment. If this gospel has never cut you before, brought you to this T-junction, if you've never been certain that when you stand before Him, you will not be judged, but welcomed, celebrated, Loved. If you've never been sure and you want to be sure today, I want to give you an opportunity to be. While all the eyes are closed, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand right now. Raise it high. Don't be shy. Thank you for that hand. Lord, I thank you for those hands, Lord. I pray, Lord, as they speak to you in their heart, Holy Spirit, that you will come and embrace them, that they may know their sins are forgiven. Your blood wash them clean, and they may know you. They may come to you any day, any moment, not in fear, not in shame, but rejoicing in the blood of the Lamb, their salvation. Knowing that they've been set free and accepted for eternity. 
And Lord, so I pray that for each and every one of us, that we may be reminded each and every day that we will be thankful and respond to you with love and thankfulness for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't worry, I'm not finished. That was the gospel <laughs> that saved you and me. Something else we can learn from the context of the Corinthians church and the power of the gospel. And I want to bring this in this morning for us who are saved. Who already received this good news. Cut us. Embraced it. And has changed us. From the center of our heart. There's something that we can learn in the context of the Corinthians church. And I want us to go back to verse 17. In a very intellectual culture like Corinth, where debating was not just an art and the wisdom of, God, of man's arguments and the debating almost worshipped, one of the most powerful truths about the simple gospel is found here in verse 17. And I want us to go through this in conclusion. You know my conclusions. It's a long one. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The power of the gospel is not our eloquence or wisdom. It is not your eloquence or wisdom. The power of the cross is the message. You do not need wisdom or eloquence to share the gospel. Nor do you need eloquence and wisdom to receive it. The gospel was given to every man and woman, child and grandpa and grandmother. <laughs> you don't need wisdom or eloquence to share it. One of the powerful truths about the simple gospel, the hearing of this gospel is going to bring every man and woman to a T-junction. And they're going to have two main responses. There are two main responses. There can be deviations. But here are the two main responses that you will find when someone is presented. When you present the gospel, not in eloquence or wisdom, just the gospel. There's two responses. We see this in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you present the gospel, there will be two responses. Don't be surprised. <laughs> know this. Don't think the negative response you are getting is because you were not eloquent enough or wise enough in your presentation. It's not that. It's not about you, the gospel. It is about him. The gospel is not just 
an argument, human wisdom, or the ability to convince. It is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased that through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But those who called, those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What can we learn from the Corinthians church compared to us here today? And this is the point. Not to be intimidated by human wisdom, eloquence, educational, academic achievement, or status. Do not be intimidated by human wisdom, academic position or status in presenting the gospel. Do not be intimidated. You will not convince somebody through wisdom or eloquence because it's not about you. The simple gospel is far more powerful and greater than the wisdom all the world has to offer. And this is the irony. This is the irony in the world that we live in today. And the time, as it was in the church of Corinthians, so it is here today in the church in Hermanus. This is the irony. Do you know what is true wisdom? True wisdom is to accept God's grace and to follow His ways. That is true wisdom. To reject God is utter foolishness. It's the irony. And when we present the gospel, we can do this with confidence. That it's not about us. It is about Him. The reason why the gospel is so powerful is because it is an invitation. It is an invitation. And this is so powerful. When you present the gospel to somebody, whether it's an introduction, do you know Jesus? Or whether it's explaining to them the gospel, it is an invitation to meet the King of Kings, the creator of the universe. It is an invitation sent by God through a messenger, a foolish one. <laughs> Nevertheless, an invitation to meet the King of Kings, to have an audience with him. What an honor. Every time I have the opportunity to share the gospel, I'm amazed at the honor bestowed to the person to meet the King of Kings. An opportunity. The honor is not just an audience with the King. It is to be Forgiven. Your debt cancelled. 
to be adopted into his family and have an inheritance for eternity. What an honor. And so when we present the invitation, do not take it personal. Do not take it personal when they respond positively and think it was you. Do not take it personally when they reject you. When Jesus sent out the 72, two by two, he said to them, go into the towns, the villages, the cities, share the gospel. If they reject you, they reject me. But if they receive you, they receive me. And so this is the liberating confidence that we have when we share the gospel. It is not about you. It's not about me. It is about him. It's not my eloquence or my wisdom, but my faith in him. And when I share the gospel, I share an invitation to meet the king. To be forgiven. To be part of his family. And whosoever chooses to accept that will be saved. But sadly, whoever rejects that will not. And so I want to encourage each and everyone as we have responded to the gospel, when we leave this place, to be like Paul, not to be ashamed of the gospel, because we know it is the power of God that leads men unto salvation. And so let us be bold when we have an opportunity to share what God has done in our life through this invitation as we met Him and how He changed our life. Let us not be ashamed. Let us not be intimidated. Let us not be discouraged when people reject God and feel they're rejecting us. And even if we suffer because we were the messenger, God said, blessed are you. <laughs> blessed are you. For even the prophets before you were killed. Because they came in my name. And so I want to encourage us with this as I conclude in prayer. Let's close our eyes. Father, we want to thank you for this great gospel. The good news that was presented to us. We were Gentiles. We were the Philistines. We were the ones that was not chosen by you. We were enemies. And yet in your wisdom and grace, in the fullness of time, you decided to add us with Israel. <laughs> what a grace we have. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the invitation <laughs> written in blood with our name on it. Thank you for the grace of opening our eyes to accept it. Lord, help us to never forget the love behind this letter of invitation. The price that was paid for it to be sent. That we will always respond to it with joy and love. God, thank you for this privilege that we can invite others to 
in your name. Grant us the boldness, the courage and the faith whenever we have an opportunity to extend that invitation around. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. May you go in God's peace with the gospel and share it wherever you have an opportunity. Amen? Amen. Trust to see you next week.